0: Uh, last time I spoke, uh, we looked at where are we with God? And we looked at uh, um, Matthew 5, 8, and we broke down the verse where it says, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. Uh, we learned that seeing God can mean it being admitted into the presence of God, having an experience or an encounter with God, um, and gaining understanding and, pers- and, and a pers- new perception of who God is. We also discussed the awesome power that the cross has to take our hearts that Jeremiah described as being wicked, or being the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. And he can take that heart and make it pure so that we can see God. Um, today, we're going to look at, rather than looking at where are we with God, we're gonna look at where are we with ourselves. Um, how do we view ourselves? Uh, maybe you view yourself as an average Joe, no one's special, and life is just kind of fine. Is, is that you? You don't have to raise your hand. Uh, maybe you view yourself as one of the smartest and most talented people you know and you think there's no one that's a more swell fella or gal. No. All right. Um, no, nobody raised their hand for that one too that was good um, maybe you feel uh, like a failure and you feel like everybody else has it together and you have all but given up on finding success in life well today we're going to look at uh, our self-image and what we allow to define us and how it affects our today and our tomorrows let's pray dear heavenly father i pray that you would guide my words that you would bring healing and encouragement through them let your holy spirit teach us and enlighten us Um, as the word is presented today lord um, let's remember who you are your greatness and your power your majesty lord god and that you sit on the highest throne and you reign forever and ever amen have you ever felt like a failure Sometimes we might feel this way because we didn't measure up to our own standards. Sometimes we might feel this way because we let somebody else down or maybe somebody said something um, negative to us so that we're, we are a failure in, in one way, shape, or form. Sometimes we feel like a failure because of sin in our life. Sometimes we can even feel like a failure because of past sin that we haven't let go of. Today I would like to like you to know that there is hope for you. Um, if you are a failure, let me introduce you to other people that can be on the list with you. Here is a list of failures of the Bible. David. David was an adult, adulterer, and he committed murder. He, he plotted to, to kill the husband of the woman he slept with. Samson broke all the laws of being a Nazarite, drinking alcohol, touching dead things, allowing his hair to be cut, not to mention his temper and his poor choice of friends and poor choice of women. Um, Moses. Moses was a man called to be a spokesperson, but he couldn't speak well. He had to have his brother talk for him. Abraham twice deceived kings about Sarah being his wife, and then... Tried to fulfill God's promise in his life on his own by sleeping with Hagar rather than um, waiting for God to provide through Sarah. And Jacob lied to his father to steal his brother's birthright, or his brother's blessing, I should say. Um, now, you may have noticed, or maybe you remember, seeing all of these names listed together on a different list. In Hebrews 11, Uh, Some of these people, well, all of these people, they're they're some of the people on the list um, that is oftentimes referred to as the Faith Hall of Fame. You see, these people were not failures, and neither are you. They all experienced failure in their life, but this is how the Bible records their lives. And Hebrews 11 says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to the city with eternal foundations, a city... (coughs) Designed and built by God. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of his sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. Uh, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to his own treasures of Egypt. And, uh, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left, left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who was invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on their doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. In verse 32, it says, How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength, and they became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Their weakness was turned... To strength. If you have faith in this, in God and in His Son Jesus Christ, though you may fail, you are not a failure. These heroes of faith experience some of the same types of failures that we experience, and in order for us to not allow these failures to have power to affect our view of ourselves, of our identity, it is important for us to know what the truth is. You see, if the enemy is allowed, he will use your past failures to stop you from getting to tomorrow's destination. Last week, Pastor talked about the importance of today and how today is the only day that we can grasp. Today is our opportunity to use the strengths and gifts and wisdom that God has given us in the past to get to the goals of tomorrow. Uh, just like Jesus used scripture in the wilderness, the best way for us to fend off those traps of the enemy is to know what the Bible truly says. One area of moral failure, um, one, of the areas of moral, one of the areas is moral failure. Has anyone here ever sinned? Excellent. I'm going to just skip ahead to the next section. <laughs> All right. Um... I know we have all sinned there's not one of us that has a perfect record God says in 1st John 1 9 that if we confess our sins to him he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness if anyone here is struggling to believe that God will forgive their sin I would like to emphasize you are totally forgiven now I make that distinction because people, friends, family, they might kind of forgive you, um, but they might still hold on to that grudge. They might have a memory of it. And when you screw up next time, it might be like, well, yeah, and last time you did this too, right? It maybe it comes back out of the box, you know. People are imperfect. I don't know if you've ever uh, tried to negotiate uh, forgiveness uh, with two small kids, where you say, you know, all right, tell tell your brother you're sorry. I'm sorry. You no. and then they're like, all right, well, do you forgive him? Fine. You know. <laughs> so that's not the forgiveness of God. That's not what God is offering. Um, you are totally forgiven. Um, so, let's see, Romans 8, 1 through 4. So now there is no condemnation uh, for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of, life give, of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving, us, giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be satisfied for us. Who no longer follow our sinful nature, but follow the Spirit instead. It's the just requirement. The, the reason why I point out just is, is it's very important. Um, it says that the just requirement was fully satisfied. Um, we just looked in First John where it said, He's faithful and just to forgive us. God is just. Now, if you were uh, committing, if you if you had committed a crime um, in the real world, you know the example wouldn't be that God brought you a really fast getaway car. You know, Um, you didn't get locked up and somebody broke out the back wall of the jail and snuck you out. You know, like that. That's not what he did. He didn't save us in that way. He paid the penalty. He is just. It says that um, he fully met fully satisfied the requirement of the law if we were running we would be still carrying guilt and shame for what we did we would still have that on us but he fully satisfied the law and we can walk free from that there is no condemnation um Isaiah 43, 25 says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. See the contrast between kind of forgiven, you know, human forgiveness. We don't know if that person's going to hold on to that thing. But with God, we know. He says in his word, I will never think of them again. But even though we know that God forgives us. For some reasons, um, it can sometimes take us longer to leave our sins in the past and to recognize that they're washed away and that they have no power over us. The only power that they have over us is the power we give them. We don't have to hold on to them. And we we're encouraged by Paul and Philippians to forget the past. Don't let it weigh you down as you run the race that God is calling you to. Paul says this right after admitting that he's not perfect, that he is is still working on it. He makes mistakes, but he says he doesn't put his focus on his mistakes. Those are in the past. Instead, he presses forward to what's ahead. He doesn't do it because God doesn't do it. God doesn't hold on to his past. And so why should we? One last verse uh, about letting go of past sins, just because it's, it's one of my favorites, Um second Corinthians 5:21. It says, "God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Who are we in Christ? It says that we become." The righteousness of God. It just amazes me every time I think of it. It doesn't just blow your mind that, that God would come in the form of man and become the thing that He hates so that we can become righteous, so that we can have the righteousness of God, so that we can have relationship with Him. He is so good. So good. The second area of failure that people struggle with is what I call work, school, and sports. Um, these are all parts of our lives, and there's probably other things that could fit in there, but there's these, these things that, um, that if somebody came up and asked you, will you tell me a little bit about yourself? You know, what is the first thing that comes to mind? You, know, you think, well, uh, I'm a farmer. I'm an engineer. Uh, I'm a hunter. Uh, I'm a football player, you know, I'm a student, uh, you know. These are things that, that come to mind in, in descriptions of, of your identity. And if you put too much of your identity, too much of your value in these things, you're building on a shaky foundation. I remember one time I failed. Now, this is not the one time I failed. Okay, just <laughs> My wife made sure that I clarified that. <laughs> um, this is one of many for sure. But, but this is one time that God brought back to me that kind of relates to this. As many of you know, I went to school uh, to, it was for Automated Systems and Robotics was the name of the course. And, um, and ever since then, I've worked in the packaging industry Um, and so i've i've built machines and commissioned machines and installed machines and that's that's what i do that's what i went to school for um uh, right now i currently work on a kind of machine that that uh, puts wrappers on product Um, so things like candy bars uh, covid tests um, uh, even baseball cards we've wrapped. Um, but anyway, so those, those are kind of the sorts of things I, I've built, and in the first few years I was there, they sent me out on the road um, to go work on a machine that was not operating well. And I believe it was, it was wrapping corn dogs. And uh, I was struggling. I was struggling real bad. I could not get the product to go through the machine without jamming every third one. It was just, I couldn't get it to work right. And uh, the, um, the customer <laughs> was, was getting noticeably more and more frustrated with me. And they were reporting back to my bosses that they were more and more frustrated with me. Um, and uh, I just felt like garbage. I felt like a failure. You know, I, was, I kept on thinking, I'm a packaging technician, and I'm not good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, you have to kind of think that's maybe how Moses <laughs> felt when he was called to speak, you know. You know, um, it's like, wait a second, you know. But uh, anyways, I was so focused in that moment on my identity as a lousy packaging technician that I felt worthless. Um, but I remember that I stopped and I, and I was praying to God about it. and And I remember his response was very quick. And he didn't... Fixed the machine, miraculously. And he didn't make me a better technician right away, and I went in there and figured out the problem. Um, instead, he reminded me that I'm a child of God, and I'm loved. Um, when you put your value on things that are out of your control, you're, you're setting yourself up, to have a to have your life rocked, and so, um, so I'd, After after that, I thought you know, even if I am the worst technician in the world, that description means nothing in comparison. If I didn't improve, it might mean that I have to new, find a new line of work. Um, but who cares? I'm a child of the king. In John 1.12 it says, but to all who believe in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God, what else matters? <laughs> you know, that is who we are. You are a child of the king. That is your identity. That should be the most significant and most descriptive thing about who you are. You are a child of the king. So if you identify as a child of the king, what does that mean about you? It means that your confidence is in God and not in ourselves. Um, The world's view of confidence is that you need to recognize your own abilities and have confidence in yourself and and convince yourself that you are amazing. Nowadays, even more crazy, um, characteristics that were once known to be negative and unhealthy, people are being encouraged to take pride in and celebrate as their identity of who they are. But as children of God um, who have put their confidence in Christ, we don't need and should not turn, um, we do not need to and we should turn from self-confidence. I was reminded of a song from my youth called "Underdog," by a band called called Audio Adrenaline. So, I, I know probably not everybody's heard it, and you'll you'll be writing this. Make sure you write down in your notes Audio Adrenaline, Underdog. I know you all want to go out and listen to it, um, <laughs> but but they had a, a line in there uh, that was really good. It says the world has plans for my demise but what they don't see is that the winner is not judged by his small size but by the substitute he picks to run the race and mine's already won we don't need to be the biggest and the best in fact as a child of god we view ourselves as the least and putting others above ourselves our confidence in winning the race of life is is on christ who is, of course, the only one who can and did win that race, and he won it for us. He gave us the victory, and he took the penalty. As a child of God, our confidence, our life, our victory, and our identity is in Christ. So any of you out there that thought about identifying as just an average Joe, I got news for you. In Christ, you are chosen by, eternally loved by, valued by, the creator of the universe, and you are capable of great things. Doesn't really sound like average Joe stuff. You are chosen. Ephesians 1.4, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Even before creation, God chose you. You are important, and God has specific plans for you to be part of his kingdom. He wanted you to be holy and without fault. And why? In Titus 3, 5 through 7, it says, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. He wanted us to become heirs and have eternal life with him. He chose us to be holy and blameless, and then he made a way through Jesus for that to happen. Uh, God is so cool that way that when when. Uh, He created us before anything else was created. Before anything was created, He chose us. And then He created, and Adam went and sinned. And God didn't say, Well, I guess that changes my plans. I'm going to go create another race and let them be my heirs. No, God is faithful. He made a way. That is why the faithfulness of God is why if we want to have a life where we have that internal peace and joy and, and stability, it has to be that our identity is in that we are children of God, that we are heirs of the kingdom, that we are, we are accepted by the Creator. You are valued. You're valued by God. Um, <clears throat> I heard a, an example uh, of, uh, of, a you know, what is your house worth? If you're going to sell your house, what is your house worth? Like you can kind of think about it. You know, you can make comparables to neighbors' houses and you can, you can have a rough idea, but you don't really know what your house is worth until you find a buyer because it's really only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. It's not worth a penny more or a penny less. It's, it's worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. That is the value of your house. And by this logic, this is how we know that we are valued by the creator of the universe because of how much he paid for us. 1 Corinthians uh, 7.3 says, God paid a high price for you. So don't be enslaved by the world. God paid a high price for you. In Deuteronomy, um, actually before that, um, we know the high price. Jesus was sent, God's one and only son, to die for us that there is no higher price. That is your value. That's how much was paid for you. Deuteronomy 7, 6 says, For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord, your God. Um, Of all the people on the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his own special treasure. How many think it it would be cool just to be wanted by God? (laughs) You know? Just just to belong to God, to be any kind of a treasure would be awesome. He, he wants us to be his own special treasure. He, he emphasizes and he, and, he, and he elevates. We are, you know, we're worth more than the sparrows, <laughs> for sure, you know. But it, but he had, you know, he paid a high price for us. He values us. He desired us from the beginning. I know I'm doing a lot of repeating today on a lot of these, these verses just kind of, <laughs> Re-saying a lot of what the, what the verses are saying, but the Word of God is just so good. The Word of God is just so good. <laughs> uh, if I could ask the worship team to, to come up, that would be great. Um, you are eternally loved. Has anyone here ever felt unloved? Uh, maybe not by everybody that you know, but maybe somebody... was important to you you felt unloved by it leaves a vacuum inside of you Uh, i know as a younger man when i was very anxious to find a wife there were times where i raced ahead and maybe put my heart out there a little too quick um and and i would uh put my my hope of my future identity in in a relationship that i thought i was going to have with somebody and then that love was not returned that stinks (laughs) yeah Um, that that's painful Um, as humans we are created to be loved and be loved have you ever felt unloved know that as a child of God you are eternally loved by God and he won't stop Jeremiah 31.3 says, Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Psalms 100 verse five, it says, For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. It sounds a little redundant, but I think that he's making a point, making this point unmistakably clear because we need love. We need it. And we need that love to be a faithful love that we can trust. I I don't know. For some reason when I was thinking about this, I I like, I don't know. I was picturing, maybe maybe this doesn't make any sense to you guys, but I was picturing like, like a like a warm cabin with a big heavy blanket you know over me and you know fire going in the fireplace I'm just thinking of this this safe place that's just where you just feel at home you just feel comforted um, that's that's the kind of love that God offers um, he will never leave you or forsake you You can take comfort in that kind of love. You can be vulnerable in that kind of love. And because of that, you can find healing and you can grow in that kind of love. God is so good and his love never fails. As a child of God, you are capable. Capable of what, you might ask? Capable of enduring any trouble that comes your way. Psalms 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. He's our strength in times of trouble. We can endure because He's with us. Capable of withstanding any temptation. In 1 Corinthians 10.13, Paul wrote, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, but God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. You're capable of withstanding temptation. You're capable of doing whatever God has called you to. Philippians 4.13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul is talking about having the strength to live out the call in his life, to be able to live... No matter how difficult it gets, whether he has plenty or whether he has little, um, he has everything he needs through Christ, who has called him to that goal. And what sort of things are we called to? This was something that we talked about yesterday at our uh, our men's breakfast, which, by the way, was excellent. The food was great. Thank you, Rose. The message was inspiring. The conversation with the men was encouraging. Um, If you did not make it to the last one, make sure that you look for the next one coming up. Now back to our message. There's a little advertisement in there. Um, What are we called to? Or maybe just what does the Bible call us? What are we called? First Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians uh, 3, 5 through 6. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He enabled us to be ministers of His new covenant. This is a covenant not written of law, not of written law, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. We are all to be ministers of His new covenant. We're all ministers. And First uh, Peter 2 verses 9 through 10 says, "But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, a royal, you are royal priests, Royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We talked about yesterday how um, how his priests, we stand in a place of intercession for the people around us. That we're we're there to, um, as as uh, ministers, we're there to uh, bring the message, the healing, uh, the message of the healing power of the cross to the people around us. We, we hold that out there. We display it. We we. Uh, and, and and again, I'm going to lift up the intercession, lifting up the people around us. Um, it, it's amazing, you know, how when you pray for something, you know, God oftentimes uses you to do those things. You know, when you start praying for the people around you, He, he begins to give you more and more of a, a compassion and a, and a burden for those people. And then when you relate to those people, they see that. They see that you care, and so um, we are a royal priest um, intercessing on behalf of the people around us. Uh, If any of this has struck a chord with you, if when you look at yourself, when, um, when you look at yourself and your identity, and you see that some of it doesn't line up with the truth of the word? Um, If you think that you are a failure, forget it. God says in Christ you are pure and blameless. If you think you are not capable, forget it. God says you can do all things through Christ. If you think you are not valuable or loved, forget it. God paid for you to be his child through the blood of Jesus. Those false identities that have been spoken over your life in your past are a curse, and it's time to reverse the curse. Look up verses that speak truth, that counter the lies. Speak them out loud, memorize them, get them in your head so that those verses, that those truths, pop up in your mind before the lies do. Little by little, we'll cover them. We'll we'll drop them. I know Jesus forgets them immediately. God forgets them immediately. It takes a little bit for us to wash and scrub that out. And we do that with the Word of God, with the truth of, of Scripture, to scrub that out of our mind. I would like to uh, actually, yeah. I would like to end um, with part of his story. It's a very familiar story uh, of the prodigal son, where Jesus gives us a picture of how God responds to us, even after our failures. Um, so we all know the prodigal son decided that he wanted his inheritance early. And he, he demanded it, and he took it, and he left, and he squandered it, and he lived sinfully, and was left destitute and miserable. And in the end, he said, I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And in your sight, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father, not listening to this at all, I added that part. And the father said, to his slaves quickly bring out the best robe put it on him put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and has come to life again he was lost but has been found and they began to celebrate (laughs) if you are still wallowing in the muck on your own Feeling like a failure, realize that your value is not in your past, but that you are a child of the Father. He's waiting for you. He's he's looking for you. Regardless of your failures or successes, he runs to receive you. He clothes you in the robes of righteousness. For your failures have been taken away at the cross. He put rings, he puts rings on your fingers identifying your royal position as a child of the king, and he prepares an abundant meal to fully satisfy your needs. No more barely getting by desiring pig food. No, no, the father kills the fatted calf. We're talking barbecue. Every juicy bite has you saying, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. Father, our Father, your Father, your child of the King, He's waiting. He's waiting for you. If you if you felt distant, no need to wait anymore. If if you're if any failure is, is in your mind, forget about it. Yeah, forget about it. Lord, we thank you that uh, you chose us, you paid for us and bought us, and you call us your children. In Christ, we are chosen by, eternally loved by, and valued by you, and you have given us the strength to walk through this life in victory, and with purpose, and fulfilling your call and your mission, the highest call that we could have for this life on earth. Bring your good news to the lost in the world. As we go, remind us of that, that we are children of God and that we are priests and ministers to the world around us.